Hey, welcome to episode 15 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Stiles. Yes, one of the most exciting seasons in a long time has finally arrived, and I, for one, can't wait for it to get started. I think it's going to be an incredible season. Not only did a number of picks make the team, including number one pick overall, Yuri Slavkowski, but three rookie defensemen. I know there was people throughout the training camp that said, oh, no way can the Canadians start three rookie defensemen. Well, guess what? They all made it. And if that wasn't enough, they even have more new starters on the defense with the acquisitions on waiver wires that we'll get to and people, of course, that were acquired in trades over the summer. So on defense, you've got Caden Gooley made the team. Arbor Akjai, which was awesome to see that he made the team. That guy, if you can't get inspired from what he's gone through, not being drafted in the OHL, not being drafted in the NHL, and making not only an NHL roster, but the roster of the Canadians, wow, I I don't know what inspires somebody that can't get inspired by that. And of course, you have the slick skatings, good puck handling, stick handling defenseman in Jordan Harris as well. In addition to that, you have, of course, Montreal acquired Michael Matheson in a trade for Jeff Petrie over the summer. And on the waiver wire, Montreal just picked up Jonathan Kovacevic. And Kovacevic, I think, is going to have a great addition to the team. He's 25. He's six foot four, 208 pounds currently listed as. That just gives Montreal more size, more physicality, and he looks to have a decent skating and game. He looks like he can play it several different ways. He can be hard hitting. He can be fluidly passing. So the defense, I don't think, and I've said this all along in the offseason, is going to be as nearly as bad as last year. I don't think the defense is completed yet. I think the whole team, for that matter, this is going to be a work in progress year. Uh, They started off the season great with a win over Toronto, which I'm sure many people thought they had no chance for. But like a lot of those preseason games that they didn't win, they're going to be involved in a lot of tight scoring games. This doesn't seem to be a team that's going to be blown out 8-1, 5-1, shut out every game. That in itself is a major improvement. So the defense itself, though very young, I think is going to be very transitional, very physical. I think there's a lot of skills on that defense. So unfortunately, in game one of the season, Montreal has already hit a lot of different injuries. And that seems to be something that continues to follow that team. Joel Edmondson is already out with a back injury. Mike Matheson is out with what's being classified as a lower body injury, which hopefully won't be for a long time. But with the way that that report's happening, you have to wonder about it. There just seems to be something ambiguous about those reports. They're not really telling anybody anything. And although it doesn't seem like he'll be out for a while, there's just kind of that like darkness in there that he could be. Let's hope he's not, because I was really looking forward to him on the defense this year. I think he plays a great transitional and offensive game. And when you can skate as well as he does, you don't have to be as physical. Not to say that he's not as physical as he needs to be, but he has a lot of other associated skills to go with that. So with the injury to Mike Matheson, they've already called up Corey Shermerman, who 
is similar in styles, has good offensive skills, is a good skating defenseman. So you can see the theme to the defense this year is really going to be all about mobility. It's going to be about pushing the puck forward, getting it up to the forwards, and hopefully spending more time in the opposition's end than in Montreal's end, which was a big problem last year. So that looks like that's been a really good fix on the team this year. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. So I think it's finally very refreshing to have a coaching staff and an organization giving the young kids the chance. Let's let them grow together. Let the chemistry start to form. Let's see the skills start to come into play. Doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight, but I think there's going to be a lot of surprises, excitement, and things that people in Montreal has not seen in a long time. Now, with the call-up of Corey Sherman, though, I find something else kind of on an offshoot interesting about that is why wasn't Justin Baron called up? I know a lot of people are high on that guy, and he's obviously a young, solid prospect in the eyes of many. That's interesting to me, because if you look at the defense, they've already got three guys down the left-hand side in Caden Gooley, Arbor Akjai, and Jordan Harris. You have two right defensemen, at least regulars, in David Savard and Chris Weidman. So, to me, you have an opportunity to call up Justin Baron to see what he's going to do. I find it interesting that they called up Corey Shermerman versus Justin Baron. Maybe it's just me, and some people are going to think I'm absolutely insane for this, but I've always kind of wondered, was Justin Baron acquired last year as part of the Arturi Lettinen deal as a roster player of the future, or was he acquired as a trade chip? Because as I look at Justin Baron, I see a lot of similarities of a couple of defensemen that Montreal has drafted in the past. And unfortunately, their careers kind of went sideways before they really had the chance to establish themselves. But he strikes me a lot as far as similarity of Nathan Bullio and Noah Jolson. And both those defensemen never really took off in Montreal for health reasons, for all kinds of other reasons. Their game just didn't seem to match it. There weren't the right coaches there at the right time. And I got to be honest with you, I kind of have a similar feeling about Matthias Norlander. His game should have clicked. I was surprised he wasn't one of the ones that made it on the right side of the defense out of training camp. There's just something there with his game that's not clicking. He seems to have everything together, seems to play really, really well in Sweden and in Europe. I don't know if it's a rink size difference. I'm not sure what it is, but I have a feeling you're going to see Justin Baron and Matthias Norlander traded as trade assets or for future assets to the team. Maybe that's just me. I'm sure there's some people that go, you have really lost your mind. That being said, though, there's just something about those two that aren't fitting into the team. So you got Logan Malo, Jaden Struble is the lockdowns. I think they're going to be on the right-hand side, which leaves for option three, either Miguel Torgany, Paturi Nurmi, or Danielle Sobolev. And especially the last guy, I don't know how many people know about him. He was obviously a past draft choice who's currently playing in the OHL, but he's a big kid. He's got a good center of gravity. He's got a good physical presence. I think those three have a lot more shot on the right-hand side of the defense than Justin Baron or Matthias Norlander do. And maybe Baron and Norlander have good careers someone else, but there just seems to be that weird disconnect or something that's not translating well to the pro game 
in Montreal, which is really weird. I don't know what kind of coach you would need that would give you more opportunity and is more open to see what you got than Martin St. Louis is. But for some reason, I can see Baron being traded to a Nashville, Washington, or Anaheim for a first-round pick, whether it be in 2023 or in the next couple of drafts. But I just I see Baron and Norlander ending up as trade value assets to Montreal to acquire new draft picks. On the offensive side, the addition of, of course, the first-round pick overall, Yuri Slavkovsky, will add speed, skill, ruggedness, youth to an offense that's needed that for a while, as well as the three defensemen that we already talked about that will add physical toughness, speed, transition game, great first pass, heavy blistering shots that a defense has been screaming for for years. So all of these are really positive additions to the team. On the veteran side, Gallagher looks like a whole new player. Not only does he look healthy for the first time in a very long time, but also looks and sounds excited and rejuvenated about the season. Now, people could get really overly excited about that, but he just looks stronger and healthier. And I think that, more than anything else, is extremely important because I think he's just been beaten down the last three or four seasons. He looks faster, and he seems to have a far quicker recovery every time he's off the ice. He doesn't look labored like he did last year. Everything last year for the guy just looked like it was a continuous challenge for him. That was hard to watch. I mean, you you want to see a player who's worked as hard as all these players do, and the efforts that they make, the training that they go through and everything pay off for him. He just looked like a shell of himself last year. So I'm I'm rooting for Brendan Gallagher to have a really, really successful 22-23 season. I, and I think he will. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I know there's some people that are thinking he's only going to score 15 to 20 or 22 goals. I think he'll be back to his 30-goal form. One of the main reasons for that, in addition to the fact that he looks healthier, faster, stronger, and just rejuvenated himself, is I think he has a chance to get some really good line mates this year and that's something he's been missing from the time that Tataroff and Philip Deneau have been gone and I think either it's going to be in a combination of Dvorak and Slavkowski or there's a combination I think that still hasn't occurred on the Montreal roster that I think you'll see at some time and that is a line of Brendan Gallagher, Sean Monahan and Jake Evans. Jake Evans and Sean Monahan, as we've talked about in past episodes, have worked out together over summers for many years now. They know each other. Brendan Gallagher, of course, is a teammate of Jake Evans prior to the acquisition of Sean Monahan. So there's familiarity there, and there's also a similar gritty style. And Brendan Gallagher and Sean Monahan have come across each other and know each other in addition to the existing relationship between Evans and Gallagher. So I think there's a chemistry. I think there's a bond there, to be honest honest with you and I think Monahan and Gallagher along with Evans will make a great gritty line I think that would be a killer third line for the Canadians now in the world of line combinations since Slavkowski won't immediately be put on a line with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki what about Rem Picklick? Rem Picklick, I think is the perfect match for that line and that might sound weird to some people because they're like oh my god Rem Picklick is not a first line left winger maybe he is because Rem Picklick was honestly one of the pleasant surprises of last year and I think he has a lot more to show and a lot more to offer than he already has shown the organization and the fans and he's already shown him a lot but I think he's the 
Same type of skater, fast and quick. I think he would be willing to go into the boards. Not that Caulfield and Suzuki won't, but I think he's just that kind of player innately. I think that's part of what he got instilled in him when he came from and was part of the Minnesota organization. I think he's got the goal shooting and passing ability to keep in line and match with Suzuki and Caulfield. I think that would be a killer line. I think that should be a line, honestly, that stays together for this season. Now, with the addition of Sean Farrell next year, who I think is going to make the team next year, I think that is their left winger of the long term. But Rem Picklick for this season, I think would be the perfect left winger for them. With Slavkowski, I think Slavkowski could learn a lot from Josh Anderson. I think they could play off of each other. And I think those two wingers, along with Kirby Doc, would make a great second line. I honestly think that would be a fantastic second line. You got a lot of height, you got a lot of weight, you got a lot of speed, you have a very physical line. And I think honestly, they'll play off of each other and bring the best out of each other as well. Players that I don't think belong on either one of these first two lines are Druan, Hoffman, Armia, Donatoff. They have been ghosts. I mean, they, they've got a lot to prove that they even belong. This is going to be really an interesting season for them, and we'll come back to them a little bit later. But through training camp, they have virtually been nowhere to be found. Now, if you have those first two lines of Caulfield, Suzuki, and Pitlick, followed by Josh Anderson, Kirby Doc, and Yurif Slavkowski, now we've got a third line of Gallagher, Monahan, and Evans, which I think will come together at some point. Although Gallagher's line mates right now are Dvorak and Slavkowski, I think Monahan and Evans are a better match with Brendan Gallagher. And I also think Slavkowski would benefit from being with Josh Anderson and Kirby Doc as well. Doc would be the passer that Slavkowski, I think, would benefit from. Anderson would be the similar player, physical, large, into the corners. I think that could really benefit all three players on that line. So we got those three lines. Now the last line, you could have Jake Evans. I think Michael Pozzetta, I personally, I think Michael Pozzetta is a fantastic team player. I think he knows when to help get his team going. I think he knows how to stir up the game and create opportunities. I think there's a lot more that Michael Pozzetta offers and brings to the team than a lot of people want to believe. Now, that creates a problem because you still have Druan, Armia, Donatoff, and Hoffman. Those guys need to prove themselves. I mean, they have all, like I was just mentioning, look like ghosts. Their best days seem to be way behind them. So create an occasional fourth line of those people. Maybe plug them in here and there in some different situations. I think they should be played in every way that benefits Montreal to increasing their trade value. And and that sounds really harsh to a lot of people, undoubtedly, that it's like, oh my God, how could you act that way with players? I mean, they are human beings. They're just, they're dead weight on the team. Honestly, in both in position and salary. I mean, it's going to have to be a day of celebration at the end of the season when a lot of contracts are expired. Even if the players aren't moved, just the fact that those contracts are off the payroll generates some serious celebration from a team standpoint. That's a lot of money that the team is paying out for a really tiny amount of productivity. Those players have just not looked good even 
remotely. I mean, at best, they've kind of established themselves almost as utility players, which is really expensive considering the salaries of those actual players. For those holding out hope for Carey Price, the comments of yesterday, in combination with the comments that were made during that very transparent, honest interview in Florida last year after the last game of the 21-22 season was played, I think that pretty much completes the story. Unfortunately for Kerry, it was reported yesterday that it's still even challenging to walk up and down stairs and do basic other things, let alone play hockey. If you take those comments along with his comments during that interview at the end of last season of, if this was my last game, I'm at peace with things, that I think pretty much tells the story. I I think that pretty much lets everybody know that, unfortunately, a phenomenal 15-year career that saw him play more games than any other goalie in Hab history, saw that incredible 2014 season when he won seven different awards. Unfortunately, I think those days are behind everybody. I think now people have to start looking to what's going to be the heir apparent, which I said in in the previous episode is really the big question going into this year is goaltending. I know that Jake Allen signed a two-year extension. Jake Allen is a great team player, great mentor. That being said, I think he's honestly a placeholder at this point. And with what we saw from Caden Primo during preseason this year, that doesn't seem to be an answer either. Unfortunately, the playoffs of the AHL last year seemed to be an aberration for Caden Primo. That seemed to not be his real skill set. He, Whether he got caught up in the moment, whether he just had a lot of luck on his side or what, he seems to be back to that inconsistent. There were some really soft goals. Now, that being said, let's give him the season in the AHL and see what he has, but I, as I mentioned before, I think think there's going to be a lot of draft picks in the later rounds of the last few drafts that are going to be looked at as potential replacements for goaltending more than Caden Primo is. Caden Primo is another player that I have a feeling just like I do with Justin Baran and Matthias Norlander, I have a feeling he's going to be traded. I don't know if he'll actually ever be a regular or a roster member in Montreal, which a lot of people, it's like, oh my God, who's that going to leave? Well, maybe that answer exists in the 2023 draft. Montreal is setting itself up for a hell of a 23 draft. They've already got a lot of draft picks. They already have two in the first round. They may have three, four, or more by the time this season's over with. And especially everybody's like, well, if they're late draft picks, who cares about late first round draft picks? Late first round draft picks can find you goaltenders. And there's a lot of good goalies available this year. There's a couple that I'm really keeping my eye on that I think would be a stellar fit and the next generation and continuation of that great goaltender that Montreal has always been known for and had so many of over the years. But with regards to Gary Price, unfortunately, my hope for his return really isn't there. I just hope that Gary Price can return turn fully functional for himself and his family. I think that is the priority above and beyond anything else. It was great to watch him for 15 years, a remarkable career. That being said, he needs to get healthy for himself and his family.
family more so than anybody else. It would, of course, be great to see him come back to the National Hockey League and pick up where he left off when he was a solid goaltender, but the game has just taken its toll. Unfortunately, not just on Carey, Shea Weber, and many others, but in recent times, you could really see the immediate effects, or at least the cumulative effects, of a very physical, enduring, demanding career take its toll on those two athletes. I know some people have made other comments as far as, you know, why haven't they been around? I think athletes give more than enough. I I think people have to come into an understanding that athletes are still human beings. They still deserve their own life and they really don't answer to anybody other than management of their team, maybe, and their agent. And everything they do is for their family. They're not doing this for the fans. They're doing this because they've trained. They decided early in life this is what they want to do. And they really have to take care of themselves. And that that's where my hopes are for Kerry, is that he can return fully functional and have a wonderful life with his family and for himself. On that note, let's get ready for game two. I think you'll see a couple of roster changes as well due to unfortunate early season injuries to Joel Edmondson, Mike Matheson, and Joel Armia. And I look forward to talking with you again soon. Once again, thanks for tuning in to episode 15 of the Hockey Free-For-All. And I am your host, Steven Stiles. Have a great week.